listeners, um, we're back. We're better than ever. I said it every week. Um, so last week we talked about the um, real life inspiration for the ring. I hope you enjoyed that. This week we're going to talk about the folklore aspect and we're going to talk about the um, two main ghosts that are very popular in Japanese culture that are considered the inspiration for Sadako slash Samara. But first, I want to explain a little bit about Japanese ghosts and how they're created. Um, it's sort of similar to the Western idea that ghosts remain here on Earth because they have unfinished business. So in Japan, there is a belief that when a person dies, their soul goes to a purgatory type place until all the funeral rites have been observed. Then the soul can leave and join its ancestors. Sometimes this process is interrupted. That happens if the rites aren't completed, if a person had powerful slash negative emotions just before death, or if they were killed in a violent manner. Either one of those happens, you can turn into a ghost. The ghost is called a uri, and they basically haunt a specific location until the funeral rites until the funeral rites are observed or their unfinished business is resolved. Now, there are many types of different ghosts. There are many types of ghosts. Um, the type that we're going to focus on today is called an onryo. And these are the ghosts that were deeply harmed during their lifetime, and now they're hell-bent on revenge. Unlike ghosts in the Western world, onryo can actually hurt you. They can physically harm or kill you. In general, these ghosts tend to be women who were murdered and now seek revenge for the injustice done to them. However, while these ghosts tend to be women, the most well-known ghosts that are vengeful in Japan are male. They tend to be very powerful men, like emperors, and usually they're taking revenge for being assassinated. The power they had in their mortal life only increases as they take on their ghost selves. They are often blamed for pestilence, famine, and natural disasters like earthquakes and tsunamis. But we're talking about the female vengeful ghost today. She usually funnels her rage at whoever wronged her instead of humanity at large. However, that's a generalization and there are definite exceptions. Um, this type of ghost is often portrayed in Japanese theater, especially kabuki. This is probably where they developed the costume that's still associated with the character even today. In kabuki theater, one actor often plays several different roles, so the character has to have a really distinct costume. Um, this ghost had a costume of a long white dress. She would have long black hair and really, really white makeup with blue shadows under her eyes or um, around her cheeks to make them look very ghostly. And that's exactly what Sadako or Samara looks like in the ring. They have long, water-stained white dresses with long black hair covering their faces. Um, there are other movies with similar ghosts, and they have the exact same look. Like the main ghost in The Grudge, she is also a vengeful ghost, and she has the same sort of black hair covering her face and long white dress. So a good example of this type of ghost is that um, horror-slash-comedy film, Cabin in the Woods. In that movie, they feature tons of iconic movie monsters like killer clowns, mermen, zombies, etc. And there's a scene in which a very scary ghost with long black hair tries to attack a group of nine-year-old Japanese girls. Uh, but the, gir the girls are very smart. They hold hands and they sing around the ghost until the ghost is trapped in the body of a frog. And then they all celebrate. <laughs> and then they all celebrate. 
I really love this movie. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts because the people that want them to die are so frustrated. And it's really funny. All of the monsters in the movie have generic names like mutant, aliens, angry, molesting tree, dolls, or zombie redneck torture family. Um, this ghost is referred to as Japanese floaty girl, but we can tell that she is an onryo similar to Sadako slash Samara in the ring. And we know that because of her distinct appearance. She wears a water-stained white dress like Sadako slash Samara, and she has that trademark long black hair that covers most of her face. Her hair is visibly wet as if she was drowned at the time of her death, just like Argos Sadako slash Samara. On a personal note, I really think you should see Cabin in the Woods. It's such a good movie. While researching this, I came around to it and I had to watch it again because it's just so good. Oh, it's sort of like a horror movie that like exploits all of the tropes of horror movies and does it really creatively. And it's not a perfect movie, but it's it's very entertaining. Okay, so let's get into the specific ghost inspirations for Sadako or Samir. Sadako or Samara, depending on the version of the ring you watched. Both of these ghosts dominate Japanese theater and have a rich, rich folklore tradition. Their names are Okiku and Oiwa. So I'm probably butchering that name. Um, if you're Japanese or you just are a know-it-all, you can let me know. But I ask that you be nice about it because I have a lot of feelings and I don't want them hurt. So our first ghost, Okiku. Um, her story first appears in written form as a play in the mid-18th century, but she has a rich folklore history that goes back even further. It is said that her ghost still haunts a well outside of a castle in Japan, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about the castle because I found this so interesting. The castle is named Himeji for the town it's in. It's quite beautiful, and it's considered to be especially lucky, um, the castle, not the well. It was built in the 14th century, but it was rebuilt into the castle we see today in the 17th century. It's very futile with moats and murder holes and all sorts of defense mechanisms like a maze outside the castle to confuse intruders, all that kind of stuff. Um, the maze is pretty interesting. It leads the would-be attackers into a spiral path that has a bunch of dead ends and areas for attack. So they were super well prepared for an attack, but apparently people knew not to mess with it because the castle never saw an attack. Not ever. So mission accomplished. <laughs> the castle also shares a commonality with other English castles, which, which is the main tower part at the core of the complex with numerous outbuildings. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, so this castle. You guys, I'm obsessed with this castle. It's so beautiful. Oh my goodness. So yeah, it does it does sort of share a lot of commonalities with English castles. It has like a main tower um, at the core of the complex with numerous outbuildings. That's very similar to English um, castles as well. But you guys, this castle is so pretty. So the similarities pretty much end there. Um, English castles are really known for their gray stone and boxy buildings. And let's be frank, as cool as they are, they're not very attractive. They're just not. The cool part about them is how long they've been there and the amazing scenery around it. It's not exactly something that you're going to want to replicate in your own home. 
But this castle is totally different. It is as pretty as a picture. First, when you approach the castle, dozens of cherry trees circle it. And when the cherry blossoms are in bloom, the entire castle seems to be washed in a gentle pastel pink. If you are a fan of Barbie and like the gentle pinkness, it's it could be very Barbie core. The castle itself is also beautiful. Um, it's made from wood with a white plaster covering it to give it the appearance of stone. Um, and it recently underwent a very expensive restoration. And now that plaster is restored to a glowing white, which is why the locals often call it the Great Heron. So, like a big bird. <laughs> it's just, it's so white. It's so beautiful. It looks immaculate. It's just, it's so pretty. I will put a, a picture on Instagram for you guys. It's so, it's just so beautiful. It has that typical curved roof of Japanese architecture. The roof tiles are actually protected by a type of grotesque. Um, it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a gargoyle, but these are a little bit different. They don't eject water from their mouth, which means they're not a true gargoyle. They're a grotesque. And they sit at the edge of the roof line and they repel evil spirits. So very grotesque-like. But there's just one spirit that they can't seem to get rid of. The gargoyle is just not doing their job. I say evil, but maybe evil isn't the right word. She's more vengeful than anything. She's not like actively out to harm people. So now that I've told you all about the castle and its architecture, I'll tell you this ghost story. And then you can decide whether or not she is evil. Once upon a time, a servant worked in a dungeon beneath the castle. Her name was Okiku. She worked for a samurai soldier who was so madly in love with her that he left his wife and he proposed marriage. Okiku turned him down because she loved another and she would never betray him. The samurai was furious and he swore revenge. One of the girl's duties was to maintain a set of 10 golden plates. So in order to get back at her, the samurai played an evil trick. The samurai took one of the plates and poor Okiku, she was trying to find all of them and she was missing one. So she frantically counted the plates over and over again, just sure that she had missed one. For if she could not find the plate, she would be executed. The samurai told the servant that he would overlook the theft if she agreed to marry him. Okiku still refused, and the samurai became enraged. He threw the servant girl down the well where she fell to her death. However, after her death, Okiku's ghost did not leave the samurai alone. Every night she would crawl out of the well, appear before him as he tried to sleep, and she would count the plates. Then, when she found the tenth plate missing, she would let out an ear-piercing scream. The samurai heard the ear-piercing wail over and over again until she finally drove him to insanity. The end. Um, there are many different versions of the story. There, in some versions, an exorcist is hired. As Okiku begins to count, the exorcist shouts out, Ten! Okiku is satisfied and climbs back in the well, happy to rest for eternity. In another, Okiku is set up by a jealous mistress. Another, Okiku jumps down to the, into the well herself. Either way, in all these versions, she always ends up at the bottom of the well, and homegirl ain't happy. So the actual well, um, the actual well that's so famous that it's practically its own character, is located just outside the castle. You can actually visit it. You have to buy a ticket for the castle and wander around a bit until you find it, but you could definitely get there. 
Um, don't worry, nothing's going to climb out of this well. There's um, wrought iron, like chain link and wrought iron um, bars that nail it all down and keep it really grounded. Like nothing's coming out of that well. But I have to say, I think its main purpose is to keep people from climbing in. Can't you just see some TikToker or ghost hunter trying to scale it like some cavern? Zach Baggins, you magnificent weirdo. You would definitely do, do that just to get some more ratings. Um, anyway, Okiku's story is exceptionally popular in Japan and has been for a very long time. It, e it even influenced culture. For a period of time, many old wells had an infestation of butterfly larvae. They became known as the Okiku insect and sometimes are thought to be her reincarnation because they have these little tiny threads on them that look like they're bound, which is sort of a haunting image. But it's kind of cool that she is that popular. That's what people immediately thought of. Okay, now to our other Japanese ghost lady. In the Japanese film and in the novel which is the original source for all of this, Sadako has a malformed eye. You can see it at the end of the movie in the Japanese version when Sadako stares at the camera and you think she's going to leap out of the TV at any moment. She gets extremely close and you can see this malformed eye. Don't worry, I'll post a picture on Instagram and you can be terrified too. Um, and Okiku, the gal that's haunting the well, she doesn't have a malformed eye. So where does that come from? Great question. I'm going to answer it right now. So this lady's name is Oiwa, and she is probably Japan's most famous ghost. The original story comes from a kabuki play from the 1800s. The story I'm about to tell you is abridged from the original version, just for the sake of simplicity. The play features a bunch of other characters, and it's much, much longer. There's a bunch of different versions out there, so feel free to hunt down your favorite. But this is the one I chose. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful young girl named Oiwa. She fell in love with a poor man named Yemen. They married and soon after expected a baby. Oiwa was head over heels for her new life, but Yemen was very insecure. He thought he didn't deserve Oiwa because he had no money. This idea fermented in his mind until he began to resent his wife. Soon he met a woman who was very rich and he began to romance her. Her name was Oyume, and soon she too fell in love with Yemen. Oyume's grandfather told Yemen it was too bad he was already married because he intended to shower whoever his beloved granddaughter married with more riches than he could ever need. Yemen listened intently, and soon he decided he had no choice but to kill his wife. One evening, Yemen decided to take fate into his own hands. He placed poison in his wife's meal, and as he sat down to dinner, he watched as she ate. The poison began to work, but it didn't kill her. It disfigured her beautiful face and sent her into a coma. After a long time in the coma where she was still technically alive, she eventually woke up. And Yemen was really not thrilled to see his wife, and he panicked. He had this whole new life waiting, and now his wife was hideous. What was he going to do? Her hair was receding and her eye was malformed. So he took her on a long walk by a cliff and then he threw her over the ledge. She died and Yemen threw an expensive funeral to demonstrate his grief. Now Yemen was free to marry Oyume. The night before his wedding, however, the lamp on his bedside table morphed into Oiwa's hideous face and whispered, Betrayal! 
Yemen picked up his sword and he rammed it into his wife's face. Her face disappeared and the lamp reappeared. Yemen sighed with relief and told himself it was just a bad dream. The next day, he married Oyume. But when he lifted the veil, her face was replaced with Oiwa's shriveled visage. She whispered, Betrayal! You guys that like that little sound effect, don't you? <laughs> Yemen screamed. He drew his sword and he cut into her face. The head rolled off the figure, but to his horror, it was not Oiwa. He had just decapitated his new bride, Oyume. Oiwa's cackle ran through the church and followed Yemen as he ran to his house to hide. Oyume's grandfather followed him and he pounded on the door. He demanded to know why he had done this terrible thing. But when Yemen opened the door, it was Oiwa's face staring at him. Betrayal, she hissed. Again, he swung his sword and again the head rolled. And again, it was not Oiwa, but the grandfather. Yemen ran towards a cliff while Oiwa's laughter nipped at his heels. He stared down at the bottom of the cliff as if remembering his crime. Passerbys later stated that they saw a woman push a man over the cliff, jump down after him, and laugh all the way down. The end. <laughs> Isn't that a great story? I mean, yes, it's terrible, you know, violence against women, blah, 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 but it's so, so entertaining. Like, it's, it's a it's like those ghost, ghost stories that kids would trade around the campfire, but so much better. <laughs> They're just, it's so great. So compelling. I totally understand why this has lasted so long. Cause it's, it's sort of like Shakespeare and that it's like an original tale that is universal. <laughs> I really like it. Um, there's some more graphic versions like Oyume's grandfather gives Yemen the poison and helps him disfigure poor Oiwa so that she kills herself with a sword and that's pretty awful I don't like it so we're just gonna keep keep on moving this story is sort of based on two real life stories the first was about two servants who killed their respective masters they were caught and executed the second is about a man who caught his concubine having an affair with a servant both were thrown into a river to drown there's also um, a story that there's a real-life Oiwa who lived in the 17th century. Um, there are two different shrines to her, both in neighborhoods outside of Tokyo. And who can say which one's the real one? Is this one, this neighborhood, or this neighborhood? Which shrine is the real one? We don't know. So if you're going to make a story about her, which does happen, there's a lot of different movies and TV about her, and almost always the cast and crew goes and visits her just to make sure it's okay, just to get her a little permission before anything goes wrong. Um, now, when I said all these real-life stories, this is what I found on the internet. I could not find, like, a specific... I could not find, like, a real person with a real name. And I do think that if there had been someone, it would be all over the news, even in the 17th century, because that's just way too compelling. But um, to be fair, like I'm an American trying to Google Japanese history. And so a lot of the stuff, like I, it's just never going to flag on my radar. So if you guys have some proof, just a little bit like newspaper clippings, just something, I would really appreciate it. And I would totally give you credit and post it on Instagram. So it's interesting to me why this ghost story became so popular. Like, yes, it's really compelling, but I also wonder 
if it's a way for women to fantasize about power. When the story came out in the 18th century, women had little to no rights. They only existed as an extension of another man, either their father or their husband. Women were conditioned to be meek and submissive, and that was reflected in social and legal spheres. If someone wronged you, there was very little you could do about it. And we see that with Oiwa at the beginning of the story. Her husband is cheating on her with a richer woman, and she can do nothing about it. And again, when she's poisoned and disfigured, she can do nothing. She can't go to the police or her parents. Nothing. All of this depends on her husband, and she's totally under his power. Um, it's only when she dies that she gains power. And I would imagine that would be a lovely fantasy for someone who feels disempowered. Sadako, our main character of The Ring, she shares a lot of these characteristics with this lady. She's got the same malformed eye, yes, of course, but more importantly, she lives for revenge. She feels powerless when her mother is suffering, so she uses her own supernatural powers to exact justice. And similarly, Oiwa doesn't just want justice. She wants revenge, man. She doesn't want her husband placed in prison. She wants to terrify him until he kills himself. Like, and all of the people that were involved in that little plot. Like, that's not justice. That's revenge. And I totally, totally understand. Um, and you know what? Revenge is practically Sadako's middle name. And she takes her step, uh, she takes her revenge a step further. She not only wants to see, to harm all the people that hurt her, she seeks to harm all of humanity. One cursed videotape at a time. So we've got two iconic ghosts that reign supreme in the scary stories canon in Japan. As far as revenge ghosts, they personally take the cake for me. The most powerful revenge ghosts we talked about earlier that are male and um, they used to be emperors and whatnot. And yeah, they cause havoc. Absolutely. But to me, they're not, they're not as frightening because most of that mayhem is some type of natural disaster. I'm not serious saying that earthquakes aren't scary or that pestilence or famine isn't terrible. It absolutely is. I'm just saying that the image of your murdered wife scaring you to death is much more vivid than just seeing a cyclone. Um, so these two ghosts have scared the public for years, and thanks to Japanese horror films, now they have a whole new generation to scare. So maybe that's the real curse, telling their stories forever. Ooh, it's really the ghost. She's, you're being haunted by a scary, scary Japanese ghost. <laughs> okay, I think that's enough out of me. Um... So I hope that I have shed a little light on the ring and the ghosts that inspired them. I sure had a ball researching this. And if you are Japanese and I made a lot of mistakes, please let me know. Um, but nicely, because I am very sensitive and I will not handle yelling very well. To the rest of our listeners, if you enjoy this episode or you have a story idea, you can tweet at us over at Miss and Movies or email us at missandmovies at gmail.com. As always, if you want to support the show, you can check us out over on Patreon, Instagram, or Twitter. Most importantly, what would be the best would be if you subscribe to the show or and or gave us a five-star review. We could really use it so other people can find the show and we can connect to more listeners. So we'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, and goodbye. We'll see you next week when I come back with something even creepier. <laughs> Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.